0: Hi, you guys. Welcome back to Still Figuring It Out. I'm your host, Kirsty, and happy Friday. I I at least am recording this on a Friday night. It is 8:33 at night. I feel like this this about episode is always like we're doing this at night. <laughs> I think that's just like my delusional self talking because I have literally been in my room all day, willingly by choice. Um, I will get into that and just all the feels, but I've basically been on my computer all day and my eyes were killing me. And I was like, you know, what? I was just like so into the grind and I was like, I'll just record right after I'm done doing other stuff. And I just, I couldn't, I needed to get out. So I went out and it was really like foggy today too. but I went out and I got my check for my job, cashed that, and I've been back. I consumed Chinese leftovers for the third meal since yesterday. Um, I have a candle going. I'm recording this on my desk. Not on my desk, but like at my desk for once because it isn't too bad out. But I can beg to differ how terrible the noise is during the day. But um, I actually had my windows open. I say that as a dog's going. And I know people can't hear it. I have heard people say this to me to my face but it's just annoying but um as i was saying i had the windows open today because i don't know about you guys and where you live but uh, it's been really like decent weather i guess maybe not like weather-wise but like temperature-wise it's been really nice i was like in the 60s last weekend and it was so beautiful out And I had my windows open pretty much all day today. Even though it was supposed to rain, it didn't really rain that much. But you can tell that spring is in the air because, one, it's warmer out. Two, the sun is staying out longer. And I love the sunsets, especially getting to see it when I leave work at five when I go in. And my depression is subsiding, to say the least. I'm not fully confident to say that it's fully gone away. But it has subsided to the point where I'm like, you know what? I can let it pass for spring because it just means warmer weather and the sun is out longer. You know, it is a truth. And I've heard people say this, you know, sunlight does a lot to people. Like having sun surround you and just like soak into you, metaphorically speaking, is so nice. I just, you know, you forget about it when you're in the winter months for the past three or four months with it being cold as hell and getting dark early. It's just like little changes like that, like subtle changes, really just brighten your mood? And it's nice because it is, it's been a week, you guys. You know, I said last week, and you know, I was like, you know, with this new job, things will probably be better. I won't be saying how miserable I am, but you guys, that is not the reality of life. Um, it was a hard week. I think trying to get into my quote-unquote new normal of things has just made me feel a lot of feelings, to put it stupidly like that and briefly. Sometimes I don't even know what I'm saying right now. I'm going to be fully transparent with you guys and honest. I did not want to record this tonight. I was not in the best mood. I'm still not in the best mood, but, you know, I gave myself two options. I could sulk in my room for the rest of the night and be upset about why I'm upset and give it to myself or I could go on here and instill what I have instilled since I started this almost a year ago is that if I'm not being honest and authentically my authentically myself, then what's the fucking point of having this? So I'm sitting here right now telling you that I did not have a good day and I have not had a good week. And you know, that's life. Life isn't how it looks in the movies. Life isn't going to be perfect every single day. And, you know, that's okay. And I'm actually going to talk a little bit more about what I want to talk about as I'm talking about this. Um, cause I wanted to kind of get into the topic, like this upcoming month about just like feeling burnt out and feeling like a failure and just how you try to get your mindset to change that. And sometimes you can't even do it and fake it. It just it consumes you too much. But on topic of that, I guess I've been feeling a lot of mixed feelings about going into this new job. And I think the biggest thing about that is because you know it's something new, it's something you're not used to. It's a different schedule, it's a different normal than what you're used to. And my thing when I think of stuff like this is that I'm like, you know, I'm not good at adapting to something new, I'm not good at change. I'm a planner when it comes to this stuff, I need a schedule, I need normalcy, I need a plan, and not really being able to do that has just been scary for me, it's made me feel a lot of guilt, just inner guilt, you know, talking myself out of thinking that this was a good idea to do, feeling like I'm being replaced on my other job so quickly, um, Just a lot of things to unpack, but that's too much for me to do in this episode. So just to briefly scrape the surface, I've just been feeling really low and I feel like my decision was kind of made abruptly and it wasn't really planned out as much because I, you know, I think, you know, honestly, the biggest thing I think why so many people don't want to chase after their quote unquote dreams is because we have so many people telling us that aren't even in our lives, just society telling us that we're going to fail and that we're not going to be good at it. And the only reason why it's a dream is because it stays a dream because it's not meant to be reality. You don't wake up from your dreams, or you don't want to wake up from your dreams. Dreams are meant to stay in your head. They're not meant to come true. And I'm not saying that this is my quote unquote dream job, but it's a step in the right direction of where I want to be. I've wanted a writing job for four years. And I've worked my ass off tirelessly. So many times, so many Internships, so many freelancing, so many missed opportunities, so many rejections. And I kept going at it because I said to myself, This is something that I feel is worth doing. And I feel like it's going to maybe not bring me all the success I want in life, but it's going to bring me this happiness that I haven't felt in a very long time. Just like me, myself, in that way. And so then when you get it, it's like, you know. I have to wake up, I have to wake up from this dream, but I don't want to, because what I'm seeing right now and what I'm imagining in my head feels a lot better than what I'm seeing in real life. And it just makes you really nervous that you're going to fall. You're going to fall off that imaginary cliff in your head and you're going to wake up and it's going to hurt and it's going to be scary. But there's something that I've kind of been saying this whole week is that I want to make sure I get it right. Um, I've been saying if it scares you, then it's worth it. And if it doesn't scare you, then it's not big enough and it's not worth it. Um, and I think that can remain true for things. It definitely feels scary. Um, I got my first writing thing yesterday and I was so scared to start it yesterday cause it's not due until Monday. I was like, you know, I can't, I can't do it right now. So I did it today and I did it from nine 30 in the morning until f- around four 30. And I worked hard on it, or at least I thought I worked hard on it. And then I got an email telling me all my mistakes, telling me everything I did wrong, telling me that there were errors in it, telling me that it could be better, or at least that's how I read it to myself. And the one thing about me when it comes to things that I'm passionate about is that I try to make sure that I'm perfect at what I'm doing. And I even said this in my mind when I was doing this, I was like, you know what? It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be done and you can revise it and you can look at it again, but don't let something like that defeat you. Don't let it get in your head because when you do, you're going to say to yourself that you're not good at this. You're not eligible enough for this. When in the reality is that someone saw you had potential and someone made sure that you were able to do this and someone believed in you to do this. So you know, I just think about the fact of what I what I've done so far and things that I've given up and feeling scared about that and I just think to myself I've worked too hard to just quit like this and to just feel like a failure on my first assignment you have to start somewhere and if you start in the middle at least it's better than starting all the way at the end you know it takes a while to get to the top some people who have worked years on this still aren't even close so there's no Point in feeling bad about something when you don't even know how far you have to go. And that's a scary thought. But at the same time, it's fulfilling too because you have so much still to look forward to and to learn and to mess up on because that that's life at the end of the week. At the end of the week. At the end of the day, it's life. And admitting that you're not perfect at something that you worked hard on is not meant to see you look like a failure it's meant to remind you that you still have things to learn and you should be grateful that you had the chance for it in the beginning. So that is my little, little rant. Um, But let's get into something more better. Um, Random segue, um, Taylor Swift released a new song today. It is from her new re-recordings for her Fearless album. It was one from The Vault. It is titled You All Over Me, and it has backing vocals from Maren Morris. And I cried. I cried listening to it because, you know, the thing about Taylor Swift Music lately is that she's been releasing such sad stuff when I have felt the happiest I've felt in my life. And, you know, it still makes me cry because she still transports me. She still has the ability to transport me back to a time where I can relate to that song and that's powerful it's powerful powerful writing and that's what i hope to be one day um but yes if you have not listened to it highly recommend it it's amazing just like everything else and our fearless album taylor's version drops april 9th so that's in like maybe three weeks about three weeks two or three weeks actually three weeks today i'm just like looking at my calendar right now like that is No, it's two weeks. Oh, my God. I'm sorry, you guys. It's been a long day. Um, What else happened this week? I'm trying to think of, like, better things that happened this week. Oh, my boyfriend met my parents this past weekend, which went really well. And he came over for dinner this past Tuesday, which is so nice because we don't really see each other during the week just because of, like our work schedule and just like how far away we live from each other. So it was really nice to have that, even though I was really tired on Tuesdays. Um, because before I switched my schedule, I used to close on Monday nights, work Tuesday, which were my long days. And I just felt so drained, but it was really nice to see him. Um, it was just such a nice change to, I guess, like have a guy I'm dating and want him around my family. I don't have this necessary need to hide him or feel ashamed of my poor choice and taste of men. So go me. (laughs) I guess one thing's going well in my life. But um yeah, it went really well. And I was happy about that. Um the beer summit update. Um, so it ends next well, this Wednesday coming up, actually. Um Me and my two best friends both have two drinks left, the same ones. We saved the highest percentage ones for last. And we were going to go on the last day, which is my best friend's birthday. But we're going the day before um, because his fiance is cooking dinner for him, which is fine. It's totally fine to break tradition. I'm totally kidding. I love them. But yeah, I can't believe that it's been two months of me talking about this and the fact that it's going to come to an end this upcoming week is kind of sad, but all good things must come to an end. But I cannot stress again enough the importance of wearing sweats to a bar if you're going to be drinking a lot responsibly. Very fun. I will say that I will miss peeing outside in enclosed areas. Don't get it twisted. It is at night, and we're the only ones that are walking regardless. Um, It's just so fun because like after... We would um get in my friend's car and we would listen to like Taylor Swift on shuffle and just like scream it down the highway going back home. It's just like I don't know. It's just moments like that where I just really want to take it in and know that it's gonna become a memory someday. But I want to live in the moment as much as I can. I don't know why I'm getting emotional. I've gotten I got emotional today, guys, because I was driving back home from picking up my check to cash it and I was listening to Fearless. And I was listening to the best day and I just started bawling my eyes out, going over the bridge. And I'm like, oh my God, what is wrong with me? Like, I'm not on my period. I just got off of it. Like, there's no reason for me to be this emotional. But like I said, it's, it's been one of those weeks. Um, but um, yeah, I think another good thing that happened to me this past weekend was I got told from two people in my life that I've gained weight which isn't like a bad thing in any ways to me. I know that can be a touchy subject for people, but um, it just made me feel really good talking, hearing people say that. And my grandma said to me that I looked really happy, which is really nice because I couldn't have said that a year ago, in all honesty, even though I thought in my life at that time it was very happy. It just wasn't. And it's okay to reflect on it and look back on it. But, To know that you don't have to go back to it, but I will talk about my weekend plans and then we'll get into the topic finally. Um, so I guess my weekend starts tonight, really isn't much. I'm recording this and finishing my book when I'm done because I'm almost done, and I'm so proud of myself because I started that book i think either this past sunday or past monday and i have like less than 50 pages left so i'm definitely finishing it tonight if not this weekend so like go me that's the quickest one of the quickest books i've read well, like second or third quickest because i read one in like less than a day but um that's exciting tomorrow i have my hair appointment to just touch up on my hair because my roots are showing you guys and i now know how it feels for people who are not natural blondes to wait a while and have the roots show because my hair is darker so i can see it I mean, it's been five weeks since I got it done, so it definitely needs to. So I have that, and then I'm seeing my boyfriend. We're hanging out with some of our friends at night, and then I got talked into working on Sunday, but the only other reason I'm doing it besides time and a half and money is because one of my coworkers and friends that works there takes the bus, so I said I would pick her up, so... It's only four hours and also will be able to do my adult things like food shop and laundry so all isn't lost which means I'll be working straight through the whole week but you know we love the grind in case you can't tell what my next topic is going to be for next week um yeah let's get into the topic which is the last section chapters of this this story this thesis um if you guys don't know what I've been doing this past month, and if this is your first episode, welcome. I hope you enjoy it so much. I'm not this mentally unstable. It's just been a week. Um, if you guys don't know, if you're new, um, I decided this whole month I'm going to read from my thesis that I submitted for my grad school. Um, we were on the last episode, so if you are new, I would suggest going to the beginning of this month's episodes and start from there. There's three of them, and I'm excited, you guys. I'm kind of sad to see the saga end. It kind of makes me want to get out there and write more, like longer stuff like this. So I'm excited, and also thank you guys for sticking around, even if this isn't your cup of tea. I appreciate it, and I promise I won't make it over an hour this time. I think this is one of the shorter, shorter sections that I'm reading from. So yeah. Let's just get into it. Um, might as well. Um, I guess I'll do a recap of last week's episode. I'm not going to give away too much. Um, I'm actually trying to think about what I even um, read last week. It's It's been that long. but um, So we keep getting flashbacks about... James's life versus what mob seen, and her reconstructing, reconstructing everything from his business trips or his business things that he had to do and her going to one of them one time. And then we see her going into a diner and just like getting all these other information about him that she sees the opposite by, but we also got some of her past life because she, um, Kind of goes on a drag race trip to escape the police, but fortunately you'll have to find out on the episode what happens, but we do get some intel of her life, and we left it with her losing a friend when she went into jail. So I guess friends can bail you out, but they can't stay your friend. So yeah, that is where we are. We got about maybe 30-ish pages left, so it's not that bad. Um, We are at the end. Sadly, as I've reiterated enough times, but yeah, let's just get into the story now. I'm excited to read the end of this for you guys. I hope you are too. Chapter 21, and this is present day because we ended on a flashback. So just getting your minds in the right place for the story. What seems like hours pass before I hear the key going into the lock and the door open. But it isn't the same officer from before. It's worse. Much worse. I'm greeted by a pair of familiar faces in the worst case. "'Good afternoon, Mauve,' the guy says. He approaches the table, and I can see that faint scar trailing along his face. I almost fall out of my chair. "'What? Why are you here?' My words jumble together. I don't even know if they're coherent." The other guy comes over to the table. We warned you to stay out of it, he says. I did. I was- I, My head was spinning so fast, it feels like it's about to come off. You're not a very good liar, Scarface says, pushing out the empty chair. knew that the first time we saw you with that bastard. His counterpart stands beside him. I'm blanking on their names. I really should ask for it. We're past formalities now, so what's the use? Didn't know you were so invested in me, I say, leaning back in my chair. For some reason, they make me feel more comfortable than the cop. Maybe because I already know what they're capable of. Scarface intertwines his hands together and places them on the table. Now those look like the kind of hands that have been through some shit. Unlike the other poor excuse for an officer, the only thing he has going for him is this position. We like to keep close attention to the people who can help us solve crimes, he says. I inch my way closer until I'm leaning over the table. Its metal frame stabs into my chest. I'm afraid I don't know what you mean. Come on, you seem like a smart girl, he says, digging into his pockets until a carton of cigarettes is in his hands. Although with your record and past, I'd reconsider that. My brows furrow. What exactly does that mean? I don't give in. Whatever they have against me or no is just their word over mine. Unfortunately, I'm sitting in a place where my own words can be misconstrued and used against me. He lights a cigarette and takes a drag long enough to make me sweat enough to make you question of what he has hanging over my head can end me. Here's something I learned growing up when I started to trust people. The nice people hide from you. That's why they're so hard to find. It's the enemies who lurk in every corner waiting for you to mess up so they have something to hold over you, waiting for that one day where they can use it to make your life a living hell. Enemies only think of themselves because they're afraid to trust people. It's the nice ones who always end up getting screwed over for believing a person's kind words and honest smile. So a conclusion... I'll tell you this, either way you're fucked. He flicks off the ash as I watch it fall to the table. I breathe in the smoke. I know everything I need to know about you. All of your mishaps and mistakes, crimes and antics. You weren't even a part of our investigation. But boy, did you bring us down a new path we didn't know we needed. A cloud of smoke lingers between us. His face is the fog, somewhat hidden, but not invisible enough to not be able to see my eyes twitch. My mouth dries up, but I still find a way to let the words come out. How How do you know that? I can barely register a whisper. Every other word is that much harder to get out. Scarface puts out his cigarette on the table. He looks up at me and a treasure cat smile spreads evenly across his face. It's our job, he says, motioning towards the other guy next to him. He goes to pull out another cigarette, like this is an everyday conversation. He turns towards his friend and he nods his head in agreement. And Mr. James Powell, our most popular client, is currently facing charges for fraud, stealing, and assault and battery. My whole body was numb. It's not that I don't know James isn't the most delicate of people. I know he has a past that isn't exactly a clean slate. This is more than a couple white lies and some skeletons in your closet. And whether I like it or not, I'm part of it now too. That bastard. I shake my head to gather my thoughts. You were there when I was with him that day at the bar. Why not just arrest him then and save yourself the extra years in trouble? He wasn't a threat to us. He wasn't a threat then to us. Just some jerk who had a few warnings and tickets tucked away in a folder down at the station. Nothing too different from the other people we'd been confronted with, so we let him go. I smirk. Big mistake, clearly. Neither of them find the humor in that. No showing of any emotion. Detective Peter continues. That started to change only a few months after when we received a call from a person who witnessed a robbery at a nearby store. When we asked for a description, it perfectly matched him. The person also said he drove off in an old jet black car with the same license plate as the one you were driving in today. My hands start to sweat. I try to focus on what I'm hearing, but it's a lot to comprehend. Those first few months would James feel like a lifetime ago with everything that's happened along the way. All the heists we went on and crimes we committed, there are too many to count. But I never along with him in the beginning. He always told me he had some loose ends he needed to tie up. My head is pounding from all this new information, and it doesn't let up. Okay, so you're telling me all this. Then why didn't you just arrest him then, or all the other times he did something like that? Denzel puts his hand on the table and finally chimes in. He wasn't necessarily the easiest person to find. He had different names he used, different disguises, and every time we'd end up going to a scene of a crime that we thought involved him given his record— we came up short. We could never track him because he never had an exact location. He's a smart guy, which makes which has made our job harder than we needed, Peter says, raking his hand through his buzz cut. His hair is so blonde and almost matches his scalp. That makes me think of the checks I found from him with a completely different name and address. Was that more than just a meeting spot, or was that a whole lot of life he lived without me involved? These are only a few with a handful of questions I want so badly to ask James. But that didn't stop us from doing anything to try to be the one to be one step ahead of him, no matter what it took, Denzel says, rubbing his hands together. Safe to say it finally happened. That's when it all clicks. You're the ones who gave him that invitation, weren't you? Now you're catching on. Good for you. Peter gives a smirk. I want to slap it right off his face if possible. I glare, glare at him, my lips pursed together. How'd you do it then? Peter leans back into the chair, obviously more relaxed than me. We were able to find the people he was dealing with exclusively after one of our many failed attempts at catching him. At a bar, no less. They kept talking about him and how they were going to get revenge on him for running them high and dry with how much he still owed them, he says, stopping to take a smoke break. The air fills with a thick, ashy scent of nicotine. Safe to say, when we intervened on their conversation and told them a little about ourselves and how we had one thing in common, they used to be complied. So, we explained to them what we wanted to do, and before we knew it, they reported to us that everything was set in stone. But there was still one person we needed to worry about, and that person was you, Dental says, putting his hands into his pockets, as certain as was his stance. And we kept our eye on you that night as best we could so you wouldn't mess things up, but lucky for us, you let us see you for the person you really are. Oh yeah? And what did you find out? My eye twitches, a nervous habit. I try to blink to make it go away. They are just as bad as him, he says. They both look, just look at me, waiting for me to falter and say something to defend myself. But there's nothing I can do when the truth is out there dangling over my head, and I can't do anything to take it back. They know who I am, what kind of person I pretend to be. With all this information getting thrown into my direction, I almost forget why I'm there in the first place, and who I'm there because of. So where is he then? Where's James? I rub my hands against my dress to dry them off. They don't let up, so it's no use, but I'll we'll try anything to calm me down. Peter looks over at Denzel before I get to hear my worst prediction come true. He's going to prison where he belongs, Peter confirms. I find myself unaware of the use of my emotions as my face gets wet from the tears. I want to scream, because even when I'm at the brink of conviction, all I can think about is him, and if he's safe, curse that stupid organ beating inside my chest for possessing feelings for him in the first place. I want to see him, I say, doing everything I can to not wipe the tears away. Oh, don't worry. He will soon, Peter says, pushing his chair away from the table. My face scrunches up in confusion. What do you mean? He gets out of his chair, stands up, and looks down at me like a parent whose child is something wrong. He doesn't miss a beat with his words. They come up breathlessly with no effort needed. You're going to prison too. I don't get a chance to say anything by the time they have me out of my chair and leading me out of the room. The single bulb finally gives out as Denzel shuts the door. I get the same stares from before from the people in here, except this time there's an unfamiliar smile on them. Conviction. Only someone like them finds a person getting put in jail to be a cause for celebration. I want to do something, but that can only add more to a crime I don't want to do the time for. They lead me over to a holding cell, one of two, all the way at the far end of the station. Away from everyone else who don't have to come in close contact with people like us. Its concrete bars are chipping from the years of wear and tear from people coming and going here. I can only imagine how tired their hands must have been from holding onto them for dear life. Yelling for anyone to listen. Their calls going unheard. Because for most of them, once you're in there, it's just another step closer to a sentence. I used to think I had my biggest fear figured out. But not leaving those doors of free woman certainly tops the list. Chapter 22. November 2nd, 1994. The clock above the stove in the kitchen says 11.57pm when I hear the door open. Moff, a familiar voice calls out my name. In here, I say, hoping my voice can carry. Not that it has any problem my poor excuse for an apartment. The price you pay for wanting to experience a city life. I can count on one hand the amount of windows here. Two. I can hear James's footsteps... On the other side of the slightly ajar bathroom door, he slowly opens it as the handle creaks. "Would well, only you look stunning," he says. I turn away from the mirror and face him. My face covered in heavy moisturizing cream, and my normally flowy hair pulled back. Very funny. I continue with my nightly routine as I get my toothbrush out from the cabinet. Long night. He kisses the top of my head. Yeah, things ran a little too late. But before I knew it, time got the best of me. Again, my words mumble as I brush my teeth. I smile at him as he playfully rolls his eyes. I promise it won't happen again. He runs to sink and splashes some water on his face. It stays on so I can clean my toothbrush. If you say so, I say, trying to inch my way out of the bathroom. It's about the size of a coat closet with just enough room for one person. Never mind two. I get into bed and wait for him to come join me. I hear the shower turn on as I pick up my book from the nightstand and start reading. The burnt orange curtains on the window move with the breeze coming from outside. Even though fall is in full swing, I still can't help but keep the window open to give me some sense of nostalgia for my old small town. Being able to hear the wind howl without interruptions, the cicadas singing in the summertime. Now all I hear is blaring horns and shouts from people down below my five-story place, little sacrifices we make sometimes. I still don't have regrets. So how was your evening? Boring without me, I assume? He smirks coming into the bedroom with just a towel wrapped around his waist his hair damp and curling around the ends. I continue to read while sneaking a few glances here and there. but not too much. Cooked something without burning it, took a long bath, and watched some shows. He finally gets to the bed after putting the towel away, his skin smelling of my lavender soap. Wish I could have been there, especially for the bath, he says. I'm sure you do. He comes closer to me and kisses my shoulder. A couple water droplets get on my skin. It amazes me how much I'm comfortable with him when only four months ago he was a stranger to me. How I've managed to live my whole time while being in the city in the same place without ever feeling the need to fill it with someone else. Now it's like I get all sad when I can't see him for a whole day. It's pathetic, really. But I like him, I do. I never felt this way for anyone else. I don't know how he did it, but I'm a fool for him. A total fool. Well, I don't have anything going on tomorrow night to keep me out late, maybe we could do something it is a saturday night after all he says i finished the page of Mon and dog tagged the corner yeah what did you have in mind he takes my hand and strokes his thumb along my knuckles i was thinking maybe dinner at that restaurant the one with the red valance that you said you wanted to try and catch a movie after i don't really know what's playing but i'm sure we can find something it all sounds wonderful i say holding on to his gaze how his fingers though rough feel so gentle on my skin so, is that a yes? He leans in closer to me. His breath is minty. I bring my hand to his face and lean in to kiss him. His lips, still wet from the shower, cool against mine. I can feel a smile spread across his face once he pulls away. I'll take that as a yes, he says. I nod my head and go to turn off the lamp beside me. The moon is shining in from the silver, sl- silver sliver of window, not being covered from the curtains. The breeze slows down a little, only moving them slightly. I cover myself in the comforter, pulling up my chin. I can hear his laugh. What, I say. Turning towards him, I can barely see him in the dark. You're wonderful, that's all. He moves closer to me and wraps his arm around me. No, I lay my head on his bare chest. You're too much. We stay like this for a while, always ending our nights, it seems, held together by each other. It's a weird feeling to need someone. i spent my life growing up thinking I only needed myself, Always knowing that the people in my life would only be temporary, nothing but empty promises saturated with bad intentions. But it's different with James. If anything, he makes me want to get closer and never let him go. The darkness starts to settle enough for me to faintly see the ceiling. My eyes adjust to my surroundings. The curtain no longer the curtain's no longer moving from the wind. It's a once in a lifetime silence. Getting there here is rare. I want to close my eyes and drift off to sleep to be able to savor it, so I sink closer into him, until there's no more empty space between us, not even divided by the sheets. Hey, Mov, James asks. His chin moves along my forehead, tiny flecks of stubble tickle my skin. Yeah, my words come out a little fuzzy from being halfway to sleep already. What's your biggest fear? Suddenly the last thing I can think about is sleep, especially with a question like that. I keep my eyes closed, hoping he gets a hint, but the question still lingers, in the air like a bad smell. Why do you want to know? I say it to the ceiling. I'm curious. You know that. It's who I am, he says. He has a point. There's never a time when he doesn't ask me questions, whether I want to answer them or not. He says it's his way of getting to know someone, to reach them on a deeper level. Figures once you know everything about the person, there's no secrets. Just the truth. I take a bit of time to answer him. Not because I don't know my answer, but unsure if he's ready to hear it. Of all the times he does this, never once does he judge my answers, and I can tell you even I wouldn't be able to do that if I were him. I'm afraid of never figuring out what my purpose is. That I'm just wasting my time here, I say. I wrap my arm around his waist tighter. I think you're doing a pretty good job. What about you, I say, running my hand along his side. What's yours? I can feel his whole body get stiff after the last word escapes my lips. For someone who asks the questions, he's always hesitant to answer them. Maybe because his are so vastly different from mine. Whether it's about family, childhood, or even how we both made it to the city, this is complicated undertones for each one. It's like having to ask another question to get the full answer. Never a simple yes or no this time proving to be no different. I'm about ready to turn myself over to the other side. When he finally speaks, it almost catches me off guard. I'm afraid of being alone, he says, gripping his hold extra tight around me to make his point clear. I guess growing up seeing a pattern of people leaving you gets that thought set into your mind. The only question you keep asking yourself is, who's it going to be this time? Yeah, I know the feeling, I say, almost unable to admit it. The words alone leave a bad taste in my mouth i just know it won't happen anytime soon now that i have you he says his grip is still tight around me of course i'll always be here for you you know that right james releases his hold on me and moves on to his side taking me off of him he puts his hand through my hair tracing it down my face until it's under my chin he knows every curve and line on me every weak spot and spots that just hit right and i don't have to teach him any of them How rare to find a man willing to take the time to please a woman right. I do, he says. He takes his hand off my face and turns to the other side. I do the same. We keep our backs turned against each other. He still finds a way to press his into mine, to know he's there with me. I always find it so reassuring to know that he needs me, but for the first time since he's been staying over here, I have a hard time falling asleep. Chapter 23 Chapter 23 You don't realize it might be your last time out in the real world for at least a little while until you get put into the holding cell. It doesn't fully hit you until they close the barred door on you. They tell you that you can have one phone call, not that it can do much. Besides, who can I call in this situation? Certainly not my parents. And the one person, the only person who could bail me out, no questions asked on why I'm there in the first place is the whole reason for why I'm here in the first place. I'm shit out of luck. I would get comfortable if I were you, Peter says, fastening the keys onto his belt loop. You're going to be in here for a while. He starts walking away without a care for a response. Gee, thanks, I say. I look around at what this place has to offer no bed, no toilet, and no heat. Payphones in the corner line the walls. The floors don't look like they've been swept since this place was first built. Surprisingly, no one else is in here but me. You would think a holiday like New Year's Eve would have places like this crawling with criminals committing crimes. Guess they were picky with who they caught this year. The metal benches are cold against my legs, but it's either that or stand, so I have no choice but to suck it up. I can complain, but there's no point in doing so if no one is there to hear it, even if they chose to ignore it like most times. All things go unheard unless it's something worth listening to. The bottom of my dress is dirtier than this city not that it really matters it finds new ways to hang loosely over my body after so much wear from the past 24 hours there's no use in fixing something that's past broken time passes even slower in here it's like living in your own thoughts getting to replay every single bad memory in your life every terrible thing you did it's unnerving for a place to be so uncomfortable at first i think i'm hallucinating until i hear keys going into the door Looks like you got yourself a guest to keep you company, over Sir Walter says. I look up to want to glare at him, but I have to do a double take and almost end up falling off the bench. James? My eyes go wide when I see him. I don't know whether to run towards him or not. All is to end up at the same place. Looks like our past really can catch up to us, no matter how fast we try to run away from it. Hey, sweetheart, he says with what little charm he can possess. Officer Walter nudges him into there with no more force than he used on me before locking up the door again. James's hair is going in every direction possible. His eyes are bloodshot. They don't make me weak. They make me sad to look at. The jacket to his suit is missing. His shirt is disheveled and untucked from his pants. His belt and shoelaces are gone too. Possible weapon. In this place, they'll find a way to make it one. I... My words catch in the back of my throat. unable to get anything out. Not that I know the first thing to say, but seeing him like this in this place, it's like meeting a person for the first time. Just another stranger passing by you on the sidewalk or in a store. He makes the first move and walks over to me. His knuckles are bruised on his right hand. They weren't like that from before. Or maybe they were. What do I know about him anymore? There's barely any resemblance to the person from before, or even last night for that matter. Mav, I don't believe it, he says, wrapping his arms around me with no hesitation. I go stiff. If he notices, he's better at hiding things than I thought. I don't know what it is exactly, but being this close to him makes me upset. That's all you have to say to me? I go to try and push him off me, but he doesn't let up. I'm sorry, it's just so nice to see you. I didn't know if I ever would. His eyes are wide as he speaks. They don't stop staring directly at me. They look at you the way a crazy person does. He goes in for another hug when I'm finally able to shove him away from me. Don't touch me, I say, walking away, but he grabs at my wrist. You don't get to just walk away from me. His voice is low, almost unrecognizable. Let go of me now. I try to pull myself away from him, but his hold is too strong. I keep moving, hoping he'll get the hint. Come on, Mav, don't make this hard for me, I just want to talk. My other hand is throbbing after coming in contact with his face. James doesn't even flinch or go to put a hand to cover his now bright red cheek. I'm not one for violence when it comes to trying to stop something, but it didn't leave me with many options. Let. Me. Go. I say. The words barely register above a whisper. He loosens his hold as I walk back faster over to the bench, trying my best to sit as far away from him as possible. use in trying to get a hold of or the attention of an officer they want to see someone suffer they know how to run the other way and ignore it he comes over to where i am but stands on the opposite side to keep distance can we talk now his hand moves towards his cheek to help soften the blow i wrap my arms together sure it's not like i'd believe anything you say anyway the hell does that mean enough of the bullshit james i know everything i know you might think i'm naive but i know I knew even back then that something was up. He tries to walk over, but I put my arm up. He lowers his head. I can explain, he says. I can't help but let out a small chuckle. It's hoarse from all the talking today. All the waste of breath from trying to tell my side of the story. To defend myself. To defend him and still see him in my eyes as a good guy. This is what I get for it. I should have taken those damn rose-colored sunglasses off a long time ago when I realized they were streaked. What makes you think I want to hear any of this? A cop walks by without stopping. I bet if you were unconscious lying on the floor, they wouldn't hesitate to keep moving. James puts his hands in his pockets and shifts in his place. Because you know the truth, he says. It takes everything in me not to get up and slap him again. What gives him the right to play tug-of-war with my heart? He never did know how to hold on to it tight enough. I get up and walk towards him. What about all the other times before? All the other lies. Did I not deserve to know them? I get up close to his face, backing him up against the wall. My face hot from all the built-up anger coming out now. I deserve to know the truth then. James's eyes are glossed over, a human being finally showing up from behind them. He blinks and attempts to put his hands on my shoulders, but I move them away. He sighs. Yes, you did, he says, looking at me. At the time, I thought I was protecting you by not telling you anything at all. I was too afraid something would happen to you, and I could never forgive myself. A little too late for that now, don't you think? I motion my hands around the empty cell. The telephone wires hanging from the pay foams are coming undone, as the windows from above let the cool air in from the broken latches. It was not their office or space, and clearly it's no concern for them. To think some people go from here to somewhere worse, I don't put it past my mind that it might be me. I know, but mav he takes one of my hands, and this time I give in to him for his sake. Let me explain, please. What do you have to lose when it seems like you've lost everything already? And who's to say anything he has to say is the actual truth? I no longer know what to believe as far as I know. It's like having to talk to him all over again. Like I don't even know him, because judging by the way his hand shakes against me while he holds it, I really don't. Fine. I sigh and lead him to the bench. For some reason, I know I'm going to want to sit down to hear this. The room is so silent that you can hear a pin drop with no problem. James doesn't speak right away. Maybe it's to try to gather all of his thoughts or find a way to misconstrue the lies he's about to tell. Regardless, his hand doesn't stop shaking even when I take it away from it. He looks like he could use a whole pack of cigarettes to help calm him down, if only. So I guess you're curious about a lot of things, huh? He stands up straight, adjusting his shirt sleeves. I don't even know where to start, I say. You can say that again, he says. A faint smile brushes across his face, but disappears shortly after. I shift in my seat. My shoulders sag from all the sitting intentions from the day. It's enough to make me want to roll over and forget about it all, an option that I know I'm not able to have. I relax him and lean back to try to get comfortable, whatever that means. Start from the beginning, I say, turning towards him. If I'm hearing an explanation, I want to know it all. James takes a deep breath while intertwining his hands together. He looks straight ahead, as if confessing all of his sins is too much to tell to someone. Better yet, look into their eyes. This isn't the same person whose gaze can send a person running in the other direction. This person is quivering, shaking to his core, coming undone. I told you before that I ran away from my old town to start a better life here in the city. He leans over and puts his elbows on his thighs. The truth is I was kicked out and told to never come back after everything I did there. Things I can talk about, others I can't. What happened? I wasn't exactly the best person. Even from a young age, I was terrible. It started with vandalizing, and then it turned to stealing. I was accused of some things that went along with it, some not true. But it was when I got caught stealing from the mayor's office, it was enough to make them never want to see me again. Not that I could blame them. I deserved it. My God, I say. I want to move closer to him, but I make myself stay. So I took what I could fit into the car and drove until I made it here. I didn't have an exact destination, but this place felt promising. It had potential, and the best part was it was far away and no one knew me. Thoughts starting over could really benefit me. But you still went back to your ways. The light from outside coming from the window is either starting to grow darker or it's too gloomy out to stay light out. I wonder what it's doing out there. It is so cold out you have to run to your car after stepping out the door. Usually that's when the wind decides to pick up too and you're left fighting to stop the goosebumps from spreading through your body. To be outside right now would be such a treat. Forget about the weather. James looks over at me. Yeah, I did. He says, brushing his hands through his hair. It still looks just as messy. Guess trouble just follows me wherever I go. And I chase after it. I don't know. His shoulders slump in a defeated manner. It's hard to see someone who's usually so put together and sure about themselves, so unwell and coming undone right next to you, and who can't do anything about it but watch. I just don't get why. Why go back to it all again? Because I'm not a good guy, Mav. Are you not getting that from any of this, from what I've caused for you? I mean, look at you. You're in here because of me, he says, throwing his arms in the air. Look, I chose to be in here because I wanted to find you, I say, playing with my fingers. Sorry for being worried and caring. He rolls his eyes. Don't be like that. You know how much I care about you. I look up and glare at him. Do I? Because it seems like you only care about yourself, or at least protecting yourself. What the hell did you get from that? He looks like he wants to slap me. Have I not been there for you? Helped you out? And even gotten you out of trouble? Give me some damn credit. He turns away from me and starts to get off the bench. Why was there a gun hidden in the closet? I watch as he goes stiff. His shoulders clench. And why was there money hidden away too? You know, the money you said we didn't have and had to go almost a whole winter without heat because they shut it off on us because we couldn't afford it. My hands are sweaty as I wipe them down my dress, leaving streaks, a nervous habit of mine. He turns around to face me. His eyes are wide again, but controlled this time. Like the way a kid looks at you when they know they got caught. There's no way to get out of it, but just owning up to your mistakes. You were never supposed to find that. I was trying to protect you. Please believe me. His hands move in all different directions. I don't know where to look. I don't even know what to believe anymore, James, I say. We both grow silent. I'm almost tempted to take my shoes off with how uncomfortable they're making me. It's almost as bad as this conversation. A group of cops come walking by and ignore us. I haven't seen those other guys for what feels like hours. No one here seems to want, is gone or put somewhere else. They continue to go about their day as we stay here, waiting for who's going to be the first person to break. James comes over and leans close to me, until we're face to face. Believe me, Mauve, I'm trying to do the right thing. I can do the right thing now, he says. I think it's too late, I say, trying hard not to look up at him, to see the hurt on his face. You could have told me. You could have said something. Anything. Now look at us. This isn't something we can just run away from like all those other times. We can't help each other. He walks away from me, pacing back and forth, raking his hands through hair. I can't help but watch him and feel sorry to see someone so defeated and at a loss. Even in the same holding cell and knowing I have just as much a chance of not getting out of here, I put my worries onto him. How pathetic. It never occurs to me how much I put someone else first before myself. How I'm willing to sacrifice everything for another person. No questions asked. Yet the minute I think to do it for me, I can't. It's one thing to want to help someone, but when you constantly choose that person over yourself, that's when it becomes an unhealthy cycle. He walks back over and stands a few feet away from me. His hands are still running through his hair. I want to do it myself, the way I used to at night when we're sitting on the couch and he leans into me, his head resting on my chest, his hair long at the top, tickling under my chin. It's always so soft. I don't want to lose this, what we have. I can change. I'll confess. I'll tell you anything you want, whatever you want. No more secrets. What do you say? He's pleading now. One more wrong move and I swear he's going to start crying. I can count on barely half a hand how many times I've seen him cry. I I don't know, James, I say, wrapping my arms around me. A sudden chill works its way through me. I'm not sure if we can. He comes over to sit near me. I'm expecting him to put up a fight over it, but he doesn't say anything. That's when he takes my hand and tracing his traces his thumb along my knuckles the same way he always does. Remember that time when we went down to the beach for that weekend? The question catches me off guard, but that memory stays in my head all the time. Of course, I love that weekend. Sometimes I wish we could just go back there and never return to the city. Just live out the rest of our youth or whatever we have left down by the water. He continues tracing my knuckles, going over each one. Some part of me deep down can picture it, but another part of me knows it can't ever happen again. Not with us, at least. I take his hand into mine and squeeze it tight me too chapter 24 august 5th 1994 cape cod massachusetts james slow down you're going to kill us i try talking louder over the sound of the moped's engine blaring down the sandy road my arms wrap around james's waist with him in control of the driving don't worry sweetheart we're almost there anyway if you say so i say holding on tighter out of habit the mid-afternoon sun blazes down at us not a cloud visible in the sky We drive so fast along the road, everything starts to blur together. People walking with shopping bags on the sidewalk, families entering and exiting restaurants, dogs getting caught on their leashes from chasing after bugs. It's like a whole other world down here compared to the city. We decided to escape from the humid air and temporary trash stench wafting from every corner of every street in favor of salty water and authentic seafood. And because our air conditioner chose what feels like the hottest week of the summer so far to shit the bed, and we can't have a fix until Monday. Nevertheless, we packed a duffel bag each, took a bus, and our only destination is the beach. I've only known James for a few weeks, but already he's proven to be someone I want to have stay. We didn't meet on the best of circumstances, but so far I see no complaints. We all have things we choose not to talk about. Sometimes that can be better, speaking from experience. It's just around the corner, he says. I can't help but look up. The trees are so full right now, every branch decorated green. All the leaves fade into one as we speed by if i blink i'm afraid i might miss something we make it around the bend in the road and before i know it all i see is water he parks the moped and we take off our helmets his hair is flat with the ends curling up i laugh i'm looking good i say covering my mouth with my hand he smirks playfully nudging my shoulder come on i follow after him the sand burns against my skin as we walk along to secure a good spot for us which isn't easy when everyone decides that today is the best day to go here Everywhere you look, a patch of sand is taken up by people. We continue walking along until we find something halfway down. Just enough room for us and for our sake. Not too crowded. This looks like a good spot. What do you think? Looks perfect, he says. And takes a blanket out of his backpack and throws it down. Some of the sand picks it up and goes in my face. I swat it away with my hands. I kick my shoes off and go to lay down once he sits on it. We watch as people go walking by, as with their umbrellas and towels slung into their arms. Kids making sandcastles while their parents watch on. Teenagers showing off their bravery by making it up to their chin in the water, awaiting a big wave to crash over them. I take out my book from my bag and start reading. It helps shield myself from the sun. Do you need some sunscreen? Before I can answer, he slabs a whole dollop onto my face and starts rubbing it in. I can still see a little on my nose. I sit up and look at him, my mouth open. You are ridiculous, I say, trying hard not to smile. He chuckles. Just looking out for you, he says, going in for a kiss. I'm going in the water. Care to join? I'm all set. Should probably let this all settle, you know, I say, pointing to my face. It's sticky and cool when I go to wipe more and to make it even as possible. If possible. (laughs) Suit yourself. He takes off his shirt and starts running towards the water. I sneak a glance in between the book. Come on, I'm human. You would too if you saw the way his back and shoulders move when he walks. So strong and sturdy. Don't even get started on his arms now. Even at the beach, he has his legion of fans. Everywhere we go, people can't help but stare at him. He's a good-looking guy. I know that. Believe me. But sometimes I feel like it's a bit too much. It's like everyone wants a piece of him. Or maybe he just has a familiar face. There was one time we were in a restaurant and someone came over to our table saying they recognized him. James politely declined, and after he walked away, he asked if it was alright if we could leave. I always thought it must be hard to constantly feel like someone's staring at you or knows who you are. How easily we mistake a person for someone else. I watch him swimming. The waves crashing against him as the sun shines down on him. Its light reflects on the water, as if it's only around him. He makes me want to put my book down and join him. So I do. I have to dodge a frisbee as I make my way down to feel the water. It's cold against my feet, but I still manage to go in. He sees me and starts swimming over. You made it in, he says, from a few feet away couldn't have you swimming all by yourself i make it up to my chest only shivering a little bit he notices cold only a little i say i have a solution for that he says coming closer oh yeah i make my way towards him only for him to start splashing me i'm too cold and in shock to do anything right away what the hell james he laughs i'm just getting you used to the water he says continuing to splash at me the younger kids towards the beach look over at us my face go red how nice of you. He walks over to me and wraps his arm around my waist. I thought so, he says, leaning into me. I take my arms and try to submerge him into the water, pushing down on his shoulders, but he's too strong to fully get. That's when he does the same to me and I'm put completely underwater, no sense in being cold anymore. The water feels refreshing once I make it back up. My head is the only thing not in the water. The sun helps to warm me up. Its rays shy down onto my face. If I look up, I won't be able to see. I should have known to not have gone in the water. I know your waves. I say. James is right on the side of me. His hair sticks to his face. His eyes are almost the same shade of the water. He smiles wide. Then why'd you come in? Couldn't stay away from me, could you? I bite my long lip to stop from smiling. Guess not. He looks at me for what feels like forever until he starts swimming again. There's hardly anyone else in the water with us, everyone too occupied with staying on the dry land. The beach stretches out for miles. For some, it can take all day just to get to the end. I lean back and let myself float, rising and falling with the rhythm of the waves. It's times like these I want to remember for those times when it's snowing outside and the heat is barely enough to keep you warm. So I close my eyes and let that moment turn into a memory. Chapter 25 Present Day I don't realize our hands are still together until I look down at them. How easily mine fits into his, like they were made for each other. But they don't tell you what it takes to get them to stay together. Everything you have to go through makes you question whether or not it's worth it. Sometimes it's better to just let them go, even if it hurts. So that's what I do. He doesn't argue over it, he knows. I find it too hard to look at him, so I stare at the wall of payphones going unused. So that's it, I guess. There's nothing left to do, he says. I don't know how he looks because I can't bear the thought of seeing it right now. My shoulders shrug as I let out a deep breath. Yeah. It's a simple enough word to get everything across. No need to say anything else to get to the point. He tries to take my hand again, but I move it away. Even though we're sitting next to one another, I've never felt more apart from him. Being close to someone means nothing when your hearts are on polar opposite sides. I almost forget he's still there until I hear him speak. I'm sorry, Moff. About everything. I never meant for things to be like this. I don't blame you for hating me. I look over at him. I don't hate you, James. I hate what you did. What you were capable of doing. I hope for my sake you can change. He rubs his hand along the back of his neck. I understand. I understand. The door to the cell opens and Officer Walter is standing over there. i he says. I turn towards him, ready to await my fate. Yes, for some reason now is the time I want to hold James's hand. That's when I feel his hand in my thigh. I don't push it away this time. You're free to go. His face is serious. No indication of a friendly bone or muscle anywhere. It must be part of the job. Oh my god. I whisper to myself that I start to get up. I'm almost tempted to pinch myself. That's when I feel a tug on my wrist. Please don't leave. Help me get out of here. You're all I have, James says. He doesn't let go of my hand. I know what playing the desperate card looks like and he's given me his only one. I look at him trying to get him off me. Let me go. I can't, I say. He's one step away from getting on his knees. There's nothing more worse or satisfying than seeing a man beg. But I'm done with his games and always losing. I shoved my arm just enough for him to let go, and I walked away towards the officer. Come on now, he says, leading me back down the hallway and towards the exit. He doesn't have his handcuffs this time. I don't look to see James's face or try to hear anything, he says. Peter and Denzel, the detectives from before, are nowhere to be found. Everyone in the station seems to be gone, or they know how to hide well. A person is free from here, so they have no reason to stick around to see it. I walk without an audience until I'm at the door. All right, you can go, he says, motioning his hand out in a defeated manner. Just as I'm about to go, open it, he puts his hand on the handle. I better not see you back in here, or else you won't get as lucky as you are now. He lets go of the door and starts to walk away. I won't, I say, and exit the station. The walk to the nearest bus stop feels endless, as if at any point they can come back to find me and say they made a mistake. I'm not sure where to go or what to do. All I know is I made it out of there and James didn't. I guess now he gets to live in his biggest fear, being alone. Another promise I'm not able to keep. I walk fast until the station is far behind me. What if this is the time to start over? To leave everything behind and forget it all? I did it once. I can do it again. Besides, I already have a record here, and no matter how long I stay, it's going to follow me wherever I go. Being here doesn't help me anymore, and I can't go back home. There's no option, it seems. I'm fresh out of any ideas, but maybe that's a good thing. I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring, but I have hope. Hell, I need to have something. The bus arrives at the stop with just me waiting, the lights flashing in my face. It's dark out now, as I shield my eyes. I give the money and find a seat towards the back, no one else on here except for someone still visibly hungover, their head bent back, and a parent with their child sleeping on them. I look out the window at all the buildings and streetlights lit up. The trash collecting on the corner and edge of every street we pass. Everybody else already tucked away for the night, ready for the next day. Another day to get it right or make a mistake and not feel sorry about it. I want to know what that feels like. Snow starts falling as I close my eyes, imagining I'm back at the beach floating in the water, invincible. Until tomorrow. Epilogue. One year later. The rain hits the windowsill every so often, when there's a big enough gust of wind. A storm on New Year's Day. How fitting. I roll over to the other side of my bed and check the time. Ten minutes to noon. Technically still morning. A good enough excuse to make some coffee. I remove my covers, open my burnt orange curtains to a gloomy and gray scene, and take the few steps to get to the kitchen. The place is different from my last one. A good different. A lot smaller, but nothing hidden. Everything in its place. No more secrets. I haven't seen James since that day I got out. I don't know if he's in jail or free, but he hasn't tried to get in contact with me, so my guess is things aren't in his favor. Sometimes it feels like that part of my life didn't actually happen. And then there are days when just doing simple things like sitting on the couch, reading in bed, or brushing my teeth reminds me of him, and the memories creep back up. It takes a while for me to get them to go away. I take a clean mug out of the sink as I wait for the coffee to finish brewing. The smell alone is enough to wake me up. I spent New Year's Eve a little different this year. There was no heist or anything, just a party with some friends. It's funny the things you learn when you let people back in who you left for someone you once couldn't see a life without. But a lot can happen in a year. The coffee maker indicates it's ready by beeping a little louder than expected, so I pour some into my mug, already tempted to take a sip. I've never had a place that feels more like home. The day I got out, I came back to that apartment and moved out the next day, leaving the city and the time I had with it all behind. I never thought I'd find something, much less a place, that has all I need. Maybe it's not about filling it with unnecessary things or people, but keeping it small and leveled. I no longer come in wondering what's going to happen that night and waiting up for someone. It's nice to have a good balance and hold on to things. No longer jumping through hoops to make it to the next day. I take a sip from the coffee, even waiting it still manages to burn my tongue. Right when I put a deck down is when I notice the mail from yesterday still on the floor. My tenant prefers to slide everyone's mail under their door instead of investing in mailboxes. I don't get it either, but the rent is cheap so I didn't question it and nothing has gone missing so far. I pick up the small stack of mail and bring it over to the counter. Just the usual it seems, a newspaper, more bills, and subscriptions to monthly magazines no one really reads or keeps up with. I pick it back up and go to throw it out in the trash, but just as I'm about to, a white piece of paper comes falling out in between the cracks and folds of the useless mail. I hesitate for a moment, fighting off the shakiness of my hands. No one has tried to get in contact with me or search for me. I like to think I did a good job of getting out of there as fast as I could without leaving anything behind to come back to me. I pick up the paper, turn it over, and almost drop it again with what it says. I know what you did. The paper feels heavy in my hand. Out of habit, I look in every direction around my small space just to be safe. You never know what looks around the corner. I try to compose myself as best as I can, remembering to breathe. Someone knows I left. The only question is who. I go to dump out the rest of my coffee. No longer in need of the energy now that I'm wide awake. My stomach is uneasy. I look at the note again, suddenly aware of that familiar handwriting, and that's when it hits me. I consume my thoughts once I hear a knock on the door. The handle twists back and forth. I slowly make my way over, take a deep breath, and unlock the door. I'm greeted by two familiar faces, one with a scar running down his face. I smile back at them. Took you long enough, I say. And that's the end of it, you guys. Once again, thank you so, so incredibly much for sticking with me on this journey to read something I never thought would see the light of day. Um, That's it for this episode, you guys. I hope you all have a good rest of your week. And I will talk to you all again next week with a brand new month and a brand new episode. And I can't wait. Bye, you guys.